Hello and welcome to the Trucking Driver Podcast. I'm Dougie Rankin. And I'm Paul O'Callaghan. Good to have you back on. It's been a little while again, but time just seems to absolutely fly these days. I know when I spoke to you a couple of weeks ago, you said um, you were away on another trip and you, you wanted to wait till you come back to get some more content to talk about. Um, and was it was it really September the last time you were on? It was. I think it was like the 9th of September. I just had to, had to look back on the Spotify there. So, Asher, when... When we keep it, uh, what did they say? Uh, keep it seldom, seldom seen, and, and um, keep it a bit more interesting. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> no, I had a few few trips out to the continent in the meantime, so we'll have we'll have plenty to talk about. We think anyway, Dougie, just uh, at home here today, and our weather is very rough at the moment. I'm sure it's it's rough for you, are so there was no the ferries weren't accepting livestock trucks for a couple of days. Give me a chance to catch up anyway. It is. We are currently in the midst of storm Claudio, or Claudia, I believe it's called, and it's absolutely hammering the southern part of Scotland at the moment, and it's been horrible here today. Uh, the wind's been absolutely howling about the place. It won't be nice conditions at all if you've got a curtain cider on. It won't be much fun for the night trunkers going down the road tonight, and of course, in the last few years, we tended to have an awful lot of these windy, rainy storms and uh, it can be a long night if you don't have a good bit of freight on, freight on your back. That's right. Well, there was a big change. I was down in Italy last week and very unseasonal temperatures. It was up to probably about 25 degrees, which, you know, shorts and, and T-shirt weather. And it was just, that was still the end of, the very end of October leading up to November, which was, I had no air conditioning in the truck and, and, and the, the pod wasn't working. Yeah, I kind of could have done with it. So I was kind of windows down. A lot, but big difference now at home at the moment. I think I don't know what it is like nine or ten degrees from here, and plenty of wind howling. Not so many leaves left in the trees now, but I think maybe about Friday again before before I get going. So that's just part of life when you're trucking internationally from Ireland. This time of year, ferries are are getting a bit more um, unreliable with with stormy rough seas. But actually, I came back on the. Irish Ferries Epsilon last Saturday and I got a nice first time I ever had a, a ferry with a window overlooking the the front that's called that's that the bow you call it the bow of the ship I think so yeah um, yeah it was quite nice looking up uh, waking up looking out at stormy seas woke up a couple of times during the night just with waves hitting the hitting the bow but um hopefully now by Friday I'll be I'll be away again Oh, that's good. Well, I, there was, I was down in London the other week and it was beautiful, mild uh, autumn weather and we, we managed to squeeze a couple of photo shoots in just there as well by the orange and yellow leaves in the trees, which is really nice. We were at Les Watson's place, uh, a nice yellow and black Scania's and we were quite fortunate to do that because you only get a small window of opportunity with autumn in Britain. It only lasts a couple of weeks, especially in the north of the country before, say, you get a couple of storms, it strips all the leaves off the trees. That's the clock's gone back and it's now like, uh six months of winter. <laughs> to, look, to look forward to, yeah. And that's why I like heading away this time, doing the continental trips during the winter time, especially autumn, winter. I think since I spoke to you, I was out in, I was out in Spain in, a, in an R580. And then I was in, actually no, just before that I did a day in, I was thinking of you, I did a day in an R500 manual, Highline R500 manual. Nice. Which was surprisingly nice to drive actually, yeah. It, was, I, it had a really nice gear change, the 2006 one. As a V8 was, then? Oh yeah, V8 of course, yeah. Uh, yeah they're nice, to, they're, if you get one, um, 
you find that some of them would have been like ragged to bits by people mm. that couldn't drive them in the gear stick when you're changing up it's like hitting the dashboard because people have been leaning on them but if you get one if you get one with a really nice tight set up on the gears they just kind of you know two fingers it just falls into place uh, but of course they're getting rarer and rarer to find now manual boxes this one, and things eh? yeah this one actually was i wa- kind of wasn't sure because it's done a good bit of work and hard hard miles hard roads but in fairness it was, it was a very nice truck to drive actually i quite enjoyed it more than i was expecting but then you talk to guys who are in the know and they'll, they'll tell you that the um cable gear changes on the next gens are not quite as nice as the old mechanical linkages linkages and will possibly give more more problems in the future whether that's true or not i don't know i'm just relaying what i was what what i was told but i actually haven't driven uh next gen manual so can't can't really say. I know I drove version, you know, Volvo version two and version twos with with cable gear changes, and they were uh, on the right hand drives. They could be a bit sticky, but on on the left hand drives, they were nice. They were just nice little short throw on them. So look, I think it's it's horses for courses. Um, what else? I was out then. I was out in a in a it's only about a year old an S six fifty. Nice truck to drive as well. So it's nice when you get into a new truck. Everything works. Doing a nice speed. Uh, Plenty of power, and then that was out with a fridge. And then just last week, I was out in an R seven thirty, two thousand fifteen one. How'd you get on with that? That was grand, yeah. It was um, probably not as nice to drive as would say I'd been driving uh, fifteen reg. You know, the the R five eighties probably were maybe a bit less mileage done and and a bit tighter. I just found them a bit nicer on the steering and to travel a bit nicer. But there was, you knew there was power there as well, definitely uh, on on the long pulls and, and with, with a fairly substantial load of livestock on. Yeah, yeah, on the long hills, you could um, you could really notice the difference. So, yeah, it's not. I'm not really. It doesn't have to be always the, the top power stuff. But uh, yeah, I have to say, you, know, you would notice it. But it, it, it would look down. I just said, leave it do its own do its own thing, and I noticed that it, it'll look down to about 900 RPMs. So, which sometimes kind of wondering maybe if you just gave it a little manual flick down is that getting more from the engine does the computer know more than i do i i don't know but uh it definitely was nice having that torque yeah. anyway was it and did it have the multiple modes for it so you could have like eco mode and standard and power because i know in eco mode they'll very much try to avoid uh changing down if at all possible uh, to be honest uh I, there was no i'm not sure if there's power i can't remember i i know there was there was eco mode all i know is and any of these new trucks, these eco roll things are an absolute nightmare because you're driving along. And I think you spoke about this before. It's the, you can drive economically as a driver using your head, you know, backing off before you come to roundabouts, backing off, trying to get the, the run of the set of lights, just keep the, keep the momentum going and not needlessly, you know, hammering the accelerator pedal out of it all the time. But these eco roll things, you're just driving along. You've just got, just got out by somebody and then the engine just shuts down and it's, it's not because you're coming to a big downhill gradient that's going to you know carry you away magically it's just because it detects some maybe half kilometer up the road it detects a little bit of a gradient and then you're sitting there doing 82 two or three kilometers an hour so i find that you're all the time putting your foot in the accelerator to override that i wouldn't even call it eco roll because it's not really that uh, economical to be just you know the backing off the throttle all the time and, and losing losing momentum that's from my own point of view. So I think just forget about all those silly modes. Just have one mode and just drive considerately and drive to the conditions. And um, 
forget about all that nonsense. That's personally speaking. Yeah, too- uh, and no need for those power modes and no need for those ego things. Sorry, I'll let you go. Uh, <laughs> nah, well, you find with, with that uh, sort of predictive stuff where it's cutting the power, the, the very latest ones are now better because it's mapping the roads a lot more accurately, but you still get some trucks where the settings set far too low, it'll drop far too much speed off it before it goes. The only time you'll ever see that in practice is on the press events where they're like rolling, running about the countryside with driver trainers and them going, look at what this can do in the fuel economy it can get. Well, of course, it never works in real life because you've got other traffic around you and you can't afford to slow down that much. But you do find that you do get tuned into overriding it. But the the very latest ones, if you can sort of tweak them a bit so it only just loses that bit of speed, they do tend they do tend to work work better. But you, you you've got to stay on top of them. A lot of it well, is, a lot of it is I just did. sort of showing off. It doesn't really work in the real world. My my week uh, or any of the trips I did lately were all under pressure for time, uh, barely making places. Yeah, just kind of going o- going over your time. Meeting, tra- uh, hitting traffic problems, not being able to get parked, and every every minute was a prisoner throughout the day. Every thirty seconds, it all it all added up. So you, you just didn't have time to be farting around with those oh, kind right. of things. It's just like no, I, I just need to keep keep the show on her and uh, and get oh, it. Right. So. There's, there's definitely that equation between getting the job done and getting stuff accomplished and getting where you need to be in time versus fuel economy and sort of just gently rolling about the place a lot of the guys listening to this will be in trucks where you know fuel economy just is what it is you need to get on and get on and do what you do what you need yeah. to do otherwise you can't do it a lot of the even trunk operations that are running down for scotland they're four and a quarter hours away so you can't be affording to go and be fannying about the low speeds the thing needs to pack on and, and get get where it get where it needs to needs to be and that's how you how you make the money even with diesel getting more, more and more expensive you still have to work around hours and getting into places and um, being where you need to be so uh. that's right needless to say i don't i've no idea what the fuel economy figures were with the 730 but probably not not great Wouldn't but be. then again you know a it's truck, a truck, livestock truck that you're buying for fuel fuel economy anyway supposedly the 660s and the 770s are good on good on diesel um I don't know, but uh, you're you're definitely paying a paying a premium for those kind of trucks anyway. The previous sort of the R seven thirty is kind of known now for having a bit of a fuel penalty attached to it compared to the V eights that have come after it. But then again, you've got to like go and factor in a whole load of the other stuff as well. But they've definitely managed to squeeze a bit more economy out of those. And of course, then you, then you look at the new five sixty super, which is the six cylinder, which has blown everything out the water, and which kind of makes the case for are some people going to be moving away from V eights to go into those to get that extra fuel economy out? It potentially yes, but then again, the package with the V eight is just you know uh, people just love them for the for the power for the the sort of prestige for them as well. So if Scania were to go and say you know we're getting rid of them or we're severely restricting the availability of them, there would be some massive outcry, I would imagine. Yeah, well there was. Um, do you want to hear about one of the trucks I was out in lately? Of course I do. For a uh, feature, feature for the magazine. Yes, please. So, su- surprise, 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 it was it was uh, a Scania again. Um, don't know if I spoke about it. Maybe I was going out to see it the last time I was talking to you. But anyway, it was a timber truck, rigid and drag, uh, one-year-old next-gen R500 6x4, pulling a three-axle trailer with a turntable, crane on it, with a cab, all that. So that was a company up in the, what you call it, kind of northwest, maybe west of Ireland here. So they're, it's all 
all timber to do. They've got this R500 and it's got an R500 XT as well, sister, sister truck. So I went up to down the west here, County Clare. Oh, if, if you're familiar with Clare and Galway, I'm sure you are. They, they appear in a surprising amount of songs, famous play, famous places. Turn up in quite like quite a bit of a sort of country music, not just like over here, but in like America as well. Steve Earle, I think, has sung about both Galway and County Clare in the past. There's a lot of a Irish heritage over over in America. It seems to inspire That's... quite a lot of people. I can say it must be quite scenic, and there must be is there a, uh, the song "The Galway Girl" as well. You know, where her hair's black and her eyes are blue. <laughs> That's yeah, you're dead right. Well, where I was, it was I was up in a place called Scariff, County Clare, way up in the mountains there. Wouldn't really be known for its tourism and our scenery. It's quite a lonely, desolate part of the county up on the border with Galway, close to Derry Brine. And for any of the older listeners that are tuning in here, they'll know that that area was made infamous by a few murders back there in 1994. Imelda Riney, her son Liam and father Joe Walsh were murdered by uh, Brendan O'Donnell, a crazed 19-year-old. I always think about it when I'm... up in the mountains that time he was um he abducted them and but that's the kind of area i was in anyway it's uh when you get up there you really have that feeling it's just forestry and 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 loneliness but uh that's where i went to meet this um r500 timber truck so it was quite an interesting day actually um i had a newfound respect well i've always had a bit of interest and respect for timber truck drivers but when i saw where they were extracting this timber from down in the forest it really kind of opened my eyes basically the the rigid t- timber truck with the drag trailer was loading the, the timber down in the forest and because the, the hills coming out were so steep and there was a hairpin bend he had to bring it out to the transfer bay and then load it onto would say articulated trucks flat trailers those guys didn't have cranes and let them on their way because they wouldn't have been able to come in and, and make it up the up the hill only the the traction of the double drive uh rigid was able to do it so it was some right big hills there and amazingly he was able to do it with a six cylinder 500 horsepower scania engine and shock our opticruise gearbox he didn't have a manual gear stick so when i saw the places he was able to go up with it i thought that's that's definitely something so they're uh, in ireland you're limited to i think about 46 tons whether you have an articulate truck or a, or a timber truck but we may have been a little, even a little bit heavier than that on the on the off road uh, trails, where you were off the off the highway. It was definitely quite an eye opener. We had to drive drive to a to a river, and um, wow. there was a bit of revert, reversing involved with the turntable trailer, which brought me to an interesting question actually. And I had to consult with with Ian Lawson as to whether there were any timber drags in Scotland with turntables on them. I don't and know. He, Are there any timber drags he, in Scotland with turntables yes. tables on them, folks? Let us well, know. He, <laughs> he sent me. Well, there is there is one, and he sent me a picture of that. And I think he said that guy is uh, is actually retiring. It was just a kind of an interesting one, and to see that there are so many, there are quite still quite a number of uh, of drags over here, but they seem to have basically disappeared. Over in uh, over in Scotland and, and even in Wales, because we import quite a few uh, timber trucks from from across the water, but they're all what I call now the, the long drawbars. So it was nice just seeing a guy like that who was well able mm. to to reverse it. And there was times when when he was cross loading onto one of the articulated trailers, he was able to pick up the just grab the 
the back of the trailer with crane and just swing it in a little bit just to make a little bit more space so that was that was an interesting day out for me really I went there for a few hours and i ended up staying there most of the day because we were in and out to, to the forest and, and he was loading trucks he loaded uh he loaded a, ne a next gen r500 tag axle uh, articulated truck uh renault magnum sorry not renault magnum a renault t tag axle uh there was a midlift uh, man and what else then there was a volvo an xdhl volvo they, they were Midlift, so mm -hmm. that was an interesting one. Have all the photographs there, have all the memories in the head. Just have to sit down now and write it to me as usual. Oh, good, good stuff. I'm looking forward to seeing that one. But speaking of timber trucks, like I say I was at Les Watson's, which I'd mentioned in a previous podcast, and they're all Scania tag axles mainly. They've got one R5, uh, one R520 with a manual geared box, which the driver specifically asked for. He got that three years ago. Um, and it's basically still still like a, a new a new truck, uh, which is really impressive when you see the terrain and how far these guys go into the forest as well, because you can be driving for ages on unpaved roads. So these trucks really do uh, take a battering. And speaking of Renaults as well, we have got in the next issue, uh, when I was at the Grampian Truck Show, we saw Barclay and Daughter. Uh, they had one of the new Renault Range T-High Evos there with a tag axle on it, and we've got them in the next issue. And they've got a real variety of trucks. They've got about forty. They've got double drive. They've got a double drive FH16. They've got the double drive tag Volvos. They've got some of the Renault range T's with a tag axle on them as well. And that's a truck that's done really well for Renault. You see quite a lot of them on sort of timber and even like tipper operations. And it seems to be quite a popular option, especially with the shortage of trucks going about. It's led to Renault being able to get them into a bigger variety of fleets. And the drivers seem to like them and they seem to perform uh, very, very well off-road. Yeah, it's interesting that you'd see that I actually follow there's a company up in the Mullock and Tyre. It's, uh, it's a P. McCarroll and Sons. Yes, they've got some they really fancy kit. They've got that special... I can't remember if it's a Merck or an MAN, but it's got like a JCB sort of excavator on the back of it. Um, that's right yeah, they've got they're, some great they're using, yeah and they're they're using Renaults as well there's a guy um, can't think of his name takes quite good photographs as well I think he's driving a new T-High not sure if it's an evolution or not but it's um, maybe it's a bit of a preconceived notion that you wouldn't imagine Renaults really doing timber work but certainly the guy I spoke to who was uh, who was on that job timber job I just described to you he was he was a fan of the of his Renault, I think he's a lot of miles on her now and looking forward to the next one and he said that uh, it was it was the only truck in the yard that was never up on, on a low loader and I think there's a, quite a few Scanias in the yard which is what he might have been referring to so uh, you know it's good to see it just going back to it as well that um, that picture that Ian sent to me about the timber dra drag with the turntable in Scotland is uh, it's an R580 top line blue with a red bumper in the bottom of it and Davidson Transport up in the up in the headboard of it so that's the that's the only one that I can think of. But those Les Watson trucks, the name is familiar. I put one picture on Instagram from that day. Uh, they're kind of like bumblebee uh, trucks. They're all oh. they've got some five forty S and um, they've got five twenties and things. I think they've maybe got uh, they've got some old V8s as well. It was um, Jason and Bertie we went out and saw there, and it was a beautiful autumn's day where we've got the photographs of the the trucks they really stood out i'll just ping you some on whatsapp just now as well that, um just looking at Stephen the gear on uh, on google image as well yeah some nice trucks for anyone that's driving and can't see the photographs 
or anyone from Ireland, I'd say they look a little bit like uh, Christy Lucy. Uh, uh, apart from it's just the fact that you have yellow and black, you don't have the the bit of red. But uh, yeah, very Christy Lucy esque for anyone who knows Christy Lucy trucks. But uh, where are they based, Dougie? Uh, just north of Penrith, um, on the old, just off the old A6 road. It's quite, a, it's an interesting bit of road where you go down there to to see them. You come off at Carlisle at the Fleece, and if you don't know the old A6 road, which was the one that existed before the motorway, if you cut off onto that, it's a really strange bit of road because it's not that busy anymore. But you can tell that this road was off, obviously a lot more important at one point because it's so wide. Like for a long time, it would have been one of these weird three-lane roads. And there are still three-lane yeah. sections of it, but one of the lanes is restricted, so you can't go into it, which tends to be the downhill section. So the other one's effectively a crawler lane. But for many, many years, these roads were three lanes and where both la- both directions of traffic had equal access to the centre lane for overtaking. And as time went on, that became more and more dangerous. So I don't think there's any sections of the road in the UK that still utilise that. But if you ever need to get parked up for the night and you're kind of looking for somewhere, you can cut off there and use trace the route of the A6. You can go all the way down to Sharp, potentially, if you want to. And there's quite a lot of quiet laybys on those sections where you would probably get parked away from the services and things like that. And the roads are never that busy. But it, they're fantastic driving roads as well because they're so wide and you can see for so far. And it's an interesting bit of history, that road, because obviously that was the route that all the old Leylands and Atkinsons and Commerce and everything would have taken back in the 50s and 60s before they built the motorway. And so Les Watson's yard, uh, not that far away from there, they, they do um, flatbed stuff, moving a lot of timber and steel north and south so they're always running sort of maximum weight and the trucks are i mean some of the trucks are just um beautiful particularly the two that we kind of focused on on that day and i know that uh, bertie listens to the podcast anyway so i hope he's happy to get a mention <laughs> I was in a transport yard a little bit further north in, in the past couple of weeks as well. I was up in a transport yard. What hauliers do you know from Irvine? Or Irvine, you say it? Or Irvine, Irvine, maybe? Irvine? Uh, ooh, 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 I don't... Um, there are some companies from through the West I'm trying to think of now. One of the famous ones was Reeds of Minishant, Reed for Speed, who are no longer around anymore. Um, you've got T French, which is out by Cumnock. They are coming up. I know those are the Volvos, the um, kind of red and cream yeah. Volvos, the French and so Yeah, you've got the guys with the, the Scania T-cab out the sort of Cumnock way as well, the sort of bulk tipper stuff and everything whose name escapes me. They've got the truck with the big bull sort of thing on it. Oh, that name escapes me. And who, who, you were at a transport yard in uh, Irvine, did you say? Yeah, well, I, I, <laughs> I hope it's Irvine now that I've said it. Uh, Scott Lee. Scotley, yes. Oh, yeah. Well, well-known company. They used to run um, uh, ERFs. Who was it? Had one of the ERFs. Ramsey White had one of their ex ERF. I think it was an ECX maybe back in the day. He he ran that for that for a bit. It used to be Scotley Pigs, didn't it? But it's been shortened now. Pigs part of it. Um, yeah, it's owned it's owned by a guy called Jim Leeson. Uh huh. What are you doing? So, how did you end up in Scotland? How you were over in Scotland? You didn't tell me you were in Scotland. <laughs> I you was in Scotland. No. Well, it was um. It was supposed to be a non-trucking re- related weekend. We were going up to do uh, Ben Nevis, have a little walk up there for a look around. A little walk up Ben Nevis. A little walk <laughs> Ben Nevis, yeah. So there was 
four of us and we got the ferry across from Larne to Carrine. Where do we stay? Stayed in um what's that little oh yeah, we stayed in Girvan. Because it was it was quite late at night. And uh, of course when you're in Girvan you have to do a little drive by of PC Hamilton's yard. Mm-hmm. Which we did. Uh, just saw a couple of fridge trailers there, no um no factory units, just just a bit of a quick drive by. And I tried to speak to Jim a couple of the, a couple of the truck shows I was at this year down in um, the uh, Chester one there, the Kelsen Steam Rally and some other one down Gaden. I just <clears throat> kind of didn't cross paths, but anyway, I got his number and I just gave him a shout and said, I just dropped in for a little look around and went in there, made feel very welcome. Uh, very nice man, mad into trucks. Has new offices there, but then there was the old offices that it looks like they just walked out of one day. So there's loads of old photographs there. And he sold off some of his classic collection a few years ago. Yeah, he wasn't in great health and he's, he's back in good form now again and he's kind of building up again. So he's got a T, T143 and he's got an NH12 and he's got a flat top F1220, I think. But he's had basically everything down through the years. And he's had an F16 and he's had 112s. I don't know, like 111 and a 141, just bits of everything, but uh, he's he's well into trucks. He's running a fleet of maybe, roughly now, I'm trying to remember, maybe 15 trucks. I think his daughter's central figure there in, in running the trucks at the moment, but plenty of time to talk about, talk about old trucks. And he's kind of has a bit of everything there. There's only one scan, you know, I think it's an X-Gen 730 for a long-term driver. Uh, Daffs, I think he has a couple of new Volvos coming, but um, definitely a great lorry man. Had a lot of different brands in the past. There was Renault's there, there was Magnum there, ERF. Olympic um, Mans, he still has Mans, he's a couple of new Mans, long time man user, so he's what I'd call a, a proper lorry man, not, not afraid to try the different brands and see what's see what's the best. And I think what he has coming at the moment, the next one he said he has coming is new new 540 Volvos dual clutches apparently. Um, so that was, that was quite interesting to call in there, the gear is always looking good and you'd often see them over here in Ireland as well, uh, <laughs> good bias towards Nice Gray and Adams fridges as well. Ah, good stuff. Well, that was, the interesting that was, thing yeah. is with the, the ongoing sort of long lead times for trucks and the kind of shortage of new vehicles, it has led to greater variety in fleets. There's a lot of guys who would probably only be running one kind of truck, and you're seeing fleets now where they've got four or five different makes of trucks. Some guys are running all seven manufacturers because they need trucks and you can only get them in dribs and drabs. So they've got two Volvos coming in, two Renaults, a couple of Ivecos and everything. And it, um, it, it's obviously not an ideal situation um, for, for the operator, but it makes it more interesting for us to go and see all these different trucks going into service for people. And uh, it's led to people to experiment with trucks as well. Things like, uh, well, it's been an ideal opportunity for the likes of um, Renault promoting their truck, uh, MAN with their new model, and of course Iveco with the S-Way, because Iveco, were abs- we've spoken about it before, they were absolutely nowhere with Astralis. And the S-Way has been in so many different places now. The thing that holds them back uh, now is they don't have a tag axle and they could be benefiting from the same uh, sort of uh, things that Renault have done with their tag axle fleet. Maybe they'll do it in the future. Yeah, they, yeah they've never done a tag axle unless you had a, had a left hooker. I sent you a picture of a nice one there lately that Brian Buggy tracked. Yes, I did. That. I went, from... went to Brian's in 2019 with Tom when he had the... Mm. Uh, it was Connor Jennings had built him the left hand 
he'd built him a tag axle and converted it to right-hand drive using a truck from Latvia or Poland or something, which was a complicated process, but they had done it. I think Brian's now gone on to, he's got the new the new S-Way. That's right, yeah. So he's got a lovely um, five, 560 left hooker tag axle. I think it came from Denmark through Estonia, but that's a nice gold one, typical Danish, nice interior. Just have a, have a question for you as well, because mm-hmm. I wouldn't really be that familiar with the roads in Scotland. So, um, if you were going from Glasgow over to, like, we'd say over the west, over to, to Oban, mm-hmm. what's the route? Because what we did, we went up from Glasgow uh, over to Dumbarton and then up the A82 along the side of uh, yeah, that's, Loch, that, Loch Lomond. Yeah, that's the route you would take from there, uh, from Glasgow, certainly. The, the both, there's only one road up to Oban, um, and I think it's got a low bridge on it as well, so you'd limit Oban Express who ran out of there. I think they always had like height-limited trailers for many, many years. If you're coming across from the east, from sort of Edinburgh or Stirling Way, you can cut across, pick up the M9, and then go across through like um, Calendar uh, and cut across that yeah. way. But it's still you still uh, end up at the same point where you join the road to Oban. Because pretty much when that. we... We we came up there to where the is it the A eighty two meets the A eighty five at yes, Crean Larich. Is that, that how is that that's how you it, it? That's it, Crean Larich. Yeah. <laughs> so we Crean Larich. So we didn't meet any trucks at all on the A eighty two. And then it kind of the, we were discussing then, wondering that so if those guys are coming from Glasgow, they must go up through Stirling, uh Dunblane and then go all the way up to I don't know what um I'd have to look at the map to see, but uh and, and then basically it's kinda of like you're doing a bit of a long you're doing a long circle around, like up through, is it Ard, Ard Kyle or something? Yeah, like that? You, would, you would go across through Calendar and then up through Loch Ern Head and then cut across yes. to Crane Larrick and then you would pick up like um, yeah. Tindrum and past Loch Awe. Because we, we went into uh, we into a pub there in Crane Larrick and the minute we pulled into the pub, we were just looking out the window and we could see livestock trucks passing down. We saw one of Didi Bros and I don't know, a couple of other livestock trucks that I'd never even heard of before. So that's just what we were. We were thinking it was quite a nice drive up, but it was it'd be a challenging road. That A eighty two would be quite a challenging road oh. in a truck. It was it was even testing enough in a we were just in a kind of a I don't know what you call it, an off road vehicle or lifestyle vehicle. Oh yeah. But but uh yeah, on a truck now that'd be something else. So really we didn't actually mean any any trucks at all on it, but it was um some really lovely scenery there on the way up to um through Glencoe and up into Fort William. Oh yeah, that that road up to Oban and a truck it's constant driving there's not any not really any moments where you can just sit and chill and slip your mind into neutral no. you constantly get this switched on because there's like narrow sections and there's various bits where you come across like blind, blind corners and crests where you really don't want to be meeting something at the wrong the wrong point i mean it's um yeah something if you're doing that every day and you can alert you learn the road off by heart um, I dare say you probably could make good progress on it, particularly at night, because you'd be able to see the lights coming. But for somebody who's never like been up there before and you're used to sort of running on the motorway, that road would be a bit of an eye-opener. It would present quite a challenge to you. Oh, for sure, yeah. So we didn't really see... There wasn't many trucks. We were in Fort William just for, for two nights and uh, we went, went up and down, had a walk up the mountain and, and down again. We were kind of lucky enough with the weather. It was really wet the day before and really wet the day after but we were we weren't too bad a lot of people don't i think it's the supposed to be the, it's the po- highest point in england scotland wales as far as i know so that was it and then uh, the only place that probably should have taken a little drive i only realized after that um i've always when i see place names i always associate them with tra- uh, transport companies so when i see speed bridge i've often heard of 
Ferguson's up Speen Bridge and we were just on the way back down when I actually met two of Ferguson's trucks um, coming up against us there up from with pulling tanker trailers so they're generally seen I think a lot of Volvos tag X and Volvos and one of the lads just had a look on the phone and he said geez that was only it was only up the road from where we were so um, but anyway it, it, it's a it's a whole area, uncharted area for me that I'd like to go up and have a you know, look at again. There's so much of Scotland is, is um, you know, yeah, big, you yeah, big rolling, big hills. Ah, you mm. should come, if you want to come up, come over next year or that, perhaps we could go and try and arrange something where we, you come over and we can go and uh, arrange to get you in to go and see some of these transport companies that you've um, long wanted for to sure. go and see and kind of yeah. mix in a, yeah. a bit of a business with uh, holidays as well. That's... That's what I like to do. Actually, as, as well, though, just when I was down in um, in Scotland's, can't remember the guy's name, but it was. The, are you familiar with a company called Annandale Transport? Yeah, they've got some very high spec, um, nice. powerful yeah. timber trucks, some some good stuff. I yeah, this guy had a pretty fresh R six sixty Highline tag axle, tire pressure, central inflation system, all of that, and um, he he was when I said who it was, he knew about the podcast and. And the magazine and that, so I took a picture of him. And if he's listening, I apologize, I can't remember remember his name. But he, um, that Annandale, I think it's a guy called Hislop owns it. So they've, mm-hmm. I've, I'm pretty sure I've seen a nice, I know it's like an F16 with Hislop on it, uh, a flat cab. But they they have they have a lot of those five sixties, and I know they had a couple of X uh, or tool of Ireland F8 sixteens. But generally, all very high spec stuff as well. Like there's some some real impressive stuff up in Scotland there. Have to be on the list for the next time. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, there is there is so much. The further you go out into the various places, like of course Ireland's really well known for its transport and it, and its trucks, and so is the the north of Scotland. And of course, as you go down to places like Cornwall and Wales as well, it's exactly the same thing. I've actually got quite a few i've still got some phone numbers to go and sort out features on from guys that i met at um the the convoy wales convoy back in may at pembrey and there were some there weren't a huge amount of trucks there but the quality of the stuff was there was just phenomenal um there's so much uh, there's so much pride uh, in trucks and the care that people take after them there's so much to be sort of celebrated and good things about transport that you um, the sort of public and everything don't really get to see or appreciate as such that kind of leads me on to i sent you a picture last night um, of me loading tomatoes to head to Paris in my DAF XF510 manual. Unfortunately, yeah. it was only on Euro Truck Simulator 2 on the computer. <laughs> well, I, I woke up this morning, I was looking through my messages, and I read, oh, Dougie's, Dougie's heading off to Paris. And I'm like, oh, no, actually, he's, he's playing a computer game. <laughs> but uh, when I read the sentence first, I'm off to Paris, and I was like, oh, good on you. Yeah, Glasgow uh, to Paris. So, uh, but... Yeah, some of the screenshots that you can get from it, if it's not that big a picture, my friend, you can look at it and it kind of look, it does look quite real. <laughs> it's oh, well, when you've, just, when you've just woken up and you're not mm-hmm. really, your head is not really firing all uh, six cylinders, then yeah, you obviously took me a minute to, to get it. But um, yeah, definitely, sure, okay. if, if it's. Um, well, gets you by well, the th- well obviously I've not been out driving for ages but I'm going out I've got the Iveco S way coming but I, I decided I'd loaded up Euro Truck Simulator because Renault 
launched the Range T High Evo last year via Euro Truck Simulator. And as part of that, they sent me uh, the entire game. I've got everything. I've got the entire map right across to Ukraine. It goes away up. I've downloaded a thing called Pro Mods, which gives you more stuff, and you can go way down to the uh, islands of Italy, away down to the site. You can go as far as basically your cutoff points, Africa. Uh, and I've explored like 7% of the map on it because I don't play it a lot, but I'd loaded it up again, loaded some mods onto it because I wanted to get a bit back into it and do some stuff with it because I was talking in the magazine about the, the potential for this game and the importance of it to sort of attract youngsters to to perhaps get into lorries and seek seek maybe a career in transport because they just cannot get out in the truck with their dad or their mum or their auntie or uncle or brother or whatever anymore because of health and safety but computer games are that good now and the setups are that good that it is, it is the, the experience of it I mean it's not it's not really like driving a lorry but it, it's close I've got the Scania gear lever and the pedal set up so I'm driving it I switched it from a 12 speed DAF manual over into a 16 speed because I upgraded the gearbox and the truck um, and I was quite pleased to say that I was managing to shift both of them absolutely fine. I hadn't forgotten how to do it all. But you could learn how to drive a manual on Euro Truck Simulator. You can even get it to work with an 18-speed road ranger where it won't take the gear. It will grind back against you unless you've got the revs right, which I find pretty, pretty impressive. But things like that, I think Lovely. it needs more investment in it, things like that, because kids just don't have the opportunity to get out in trucks anymore. The last few places that I've been, I've been speaking to drivers and everyone, sometimes they've had their sons with them and that, and they're like, I used to go out in the truck all the time, I'd love to take him with me. Sometimes, you know, 14 years old and things, and it's they can't take them out because it just bollocks health and safety stuff. But nobody's really allowed to do it anymore unless you're working for a small company that's dealing with small company that's running into farms and things that aren't going anywhere corporate. Then you just can't do it. And I was thinking maybe we should like have a sort of a campaign that should be launched. The transport association should get on it and on it to promote kids in cabs of trucks. So. You know, it could be done under a sort of Mix. like an organized. So it was like organized. So you're not just randomly taking uh, your son or your daughter out in the truck. But if it was actually done sort of under a system where people know what's happening and where they're going and things, why not? Why shouldn't you be able to do that? Because it's so beneficial. So many people became lorry drivers off the back of it. There's no better way to learn about it. You really get your head around the job about what's good and what's bad. And once you're out on the road and you get that feeling of movement and travelling, it gets in your blood. And it, you, Once you're used to going places, yeah. as you know, I it never it. ever leaves you. You get itchy feet and you want to be about, no. going about places, you know? 100% dead right. I'll, I'll never forget the first time I ever even got up into a truck, I was going off for a spin and I was only, I don't know what, I was definitely well under 10 anyway, little pair of overalls, maybe, I don't know, could have been eight years old, something like that, maybe, give or take. And I, I, I can still remember as clear as day, the truck coming around the corner, I didn't know what was, what sort of truck it was, or I didn't really know much about trucks at that stage, but I do remember that was an F88 and I can remember climbing up into it and just the, the, the amazement and you know I, I went from there then to going for spins in in F10s I can just, still vivid memories of you know on the way home after a big day like just being too tired and falling asleep in the bunk and we woke up when you were at home and then you know next trip you went and then you were in a in a queue for the in the port in Dublin where you know you were queuing up and the guy went off to do the paperwork and says right just move up when the queue moves up you, know, you move up and the clutch being so heavy but that's all the things that kind of stands to you um, driving on the first time driving on the road didn't have a license right you know just late at night here do you want to have a go at driving yeah and 
you know, that's I can remember all that as clear as day, and all those things mm. are are memories that made me want to be a truck driver. So I definitely agree with you that mm. uh, youngsters that's, should be encouraged, oh, should be out more. I'm going to try and do something with that with 2023 because we're we're doing some recruitment and everything. Trucking drivers going to be in a bit of a transitional phase at the start of the year. I can't let on much about it at the moment, but yeah, next year I, I would like to go and maybe see if you could just get a couple of companies on board with it. It's sort of good PR, so a couple of co- couple of corporate places. You could even do like own account guys, like tipper guys that are only running between themselves to say, yes, we want the summer holidays. We want to be able to take kids out and show them what the, this is all about. Then you could do it in a safe and structured environment, and everyone, so everybody knows what's happening and where. And you know, everybody's got the correct PPE, and they could do risk assessments and all that stuff. Don't see any reason why it shouldn't be possible instead of just going over the same sort of uh, things that we do all the time. Uh, we're trying to get people to enter this industry, you know. No, you never know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bother with all the PPE and all that nonsense. I'd just say, here, watch what you're yeah. doing now. Stay, uh, stay beside uh, me. Exactly. <laughs> Don't touch anything unless I tell you that. Yeah, but Paul's very anti-high vis. If you read well, his, was, if you read his diaries, about... any any time he turns up somewhere in like Italy or that, and he's in a warehouse, and nobody's wearing a high vis. It always makes Paul happy. I would. Just about went through the whole podcast without mentioning it. So, but now you've really you've done it. Now. So, <laughs> when I was in Italy last week, I was loading uh, in a factory that they were making. It was kind of furniture anyway. Let's call, just call it furniture. But uh, nobody, nobody in the warehouse had a had a high vis on, which which didn't go unnoticed by myself. Now I have to say, uh, they were actually wearing black. They all had black t-shirts on. And I thought, all right, okay. But I was in Dublin earlier on. I had to go in and and collect a truck for someone in a, anyway it was in the port and the first thing I didn't even first words out of his mouth were you have to buy this and I was like of course I do that it's in the truck so but anyway look at, uh, I, I can be definitely guaranteed that if that Euro truck simulator was out when I was a young lad I'd be addicted to it I'd probably be on it all the time I tell you I mean I used to love playing computer games when I was growing up I had a master system and then a mega drive and everything but to see that game with a steering wheel and a gear lever and pedals and you can go and like download modifications so you've got like the open pipe exhaust noise and smoke blowing out the stacks and you can totally customise the truck if I was growing up now you would literally never get me off that you would have to like uh, you'd have to like pick my fingers off the steering wheel one by one to get me away to go and do anything else. I think I think there should be more investment in it, and cor- corpora- corporations and companies should look to go and engage with that software platform to go and do more with it to get people more into the job. Uh, there should be more of a sort of role playing sort of side of it. I think it's a bit dry in terms of you just go and book a job, you reverse up, your trailer gets loaded, you go and drive away to somewhere else and you drop it. I think it would be good if there was some sort of more sort of human interaction and you could have more a sort of a, a career as on a personal level in the game as well. But it's all down to sort of investment and, and everything. But the, the modding community is phenomenal. If you go into YouTube, you can watch some of these YouTube guys. They've got like a proper truck steering wheel pretty much and they've got like a button bank with the air brakes and everything on it and they've got three monitors and it, it, the, co- the cost of it must be phenomenal. The, the other thing that would count against me being able to do that as well, that I I bought myself a new PC last year which was about two grand and then I was able to go and treat myself to that steering wheel and pedals as well and I tell you I would have absolutely not been getting that when I was growing up anyway. There would be no chance I would have had ac- access no, to it. But definitely not. What the cost I got was... Um, Sitting out in the uh, Datsun Stanza and pretending I was driving, that was that was what caught me by. Maybe maybe turn on the side lights if you were lucky and 
Oh, and, I see. and change gears, but but not actually going anywhere. Just sitting there pretending you were oh, heading down for a ride. Yeah, I used to. <laughs> I used to have like a little. You remember those? Like it was like a Tommy Turbo dashboard that was a little steering wheel with a gear lever, and you'd put batteries on it, and the road would like start. scroll and like pop up headlights. I used to just sit in the car room. Any time we were going anywhere, I would just sit and pretend I was driving at the same time. Um, and I did that probably till I was about uh, I don't know, like fifteen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's. I mean, you could, you could have been that a lot worse. That's for sure. So. Anyway, that I think might conclude all. I think it uh, does. Plus my contributions for this episode, Dougie. Absolutely. That's us at about the forty-five minute mark, which is just perfect for a podcast. I shall catch up with you uh, again soon. I'm going to have like a big update just shortly because I'm going to go out um, driving again. Now that I've uh, got some time, I'm going to take that SWA 490 out and do some work with it, which I'm uh, looking forward to. Um, I, nice. Well, I'll be, I'll just be driving Scania's again like I always uh, drive. But like, as I've said before, that's just the way what I end up driving. Way, it's, it's, not, it's, not actively, <laughs> it's not that I actively... Take them out. Still haven't driven uh, properly driven a tree high. Haven't driven S way. Haven't driven uh, a new Mercedes. Actually, it was quite. I liked the article by uh, Bob Beach about uh, Downs's uh, edition two. Yes, the, the new limited edition. That's the that was, issue that's on nice. sale at the and, moment. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting that they'd said that because um, I remember driving one a long time. It was a thirteen or fourteen <laughs> Reg one when they just came out. I do remember it being a little bit hard on the road. So it it seems that they've addressed those issues and. Um, little bit softer in the front as well um, all all around even apart from the air suspension so anyway look just lots of lots of trucks there uh, haven't driven but still still you know not getting to drive uh, bad ones either can't really complain about 650s and 730s either so uh, absolutely That's not you could, you could be driving uh, eco mode restricted 400 brake stuff at 52 miles an hour with a camera on you you know <laughs> no 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 cameras thanks very much nah no, no. <laughs> Uh, cool, right. right. Well, thank you, very, thank you very much for that. Um, as I say, uh, the, I think this will be coming out on Friday. Um, have a great weekend, everyone. Thank you for your support in the podcast. The downloads are going up all the time. Hopefully, we might get another sponsor on here soon. You never know. Anything you want us to talk about or cover, anything you want to um, talk to us about, um, give us details on, come off the back of the podcast, drop us an email. It's dugay.rankin at roadtransport.com. And we shall catch up with you guys again soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk, where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month. The Truck and Driver podcast is produced by Sound Rebel. To find out more, please visit soundrebel.co.uk.